powerful is the Cox Network. So powerful that one day, the internet will let your doctor perform miracles from thousands of miles away. Connecting to remote operating room. Giving a whole new meaning to the term house call. Operation complete. The Cox Network. With gig speeds everywhere, it's internet built for tomorrow, today. Cox, bringing us closer. In Cox serviceable areas, speeds vary and are not guaranteed. Cox terms apply. Other restrictions may apply. La guía de regalos de O'Reilly Auto Parts tiene opciones por debajo de 20 dólares, como un medidor digital para llantas, set de destornilladores, luz de trabajo LED y más. Los profesionales en autopartes te ayudarán a encontrar el regalo perfecto. Realiza tus compras en tu tienda O'Reilly Auto Parts más cercana o en O'ReillyAuto.com. Oh, 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 Hey everyone, welcome to the Beyond the Letter podcast. Today we have had an incredible interview with Lana Vasquez from Life Impact International. She's a sex slavery abolitionist, sex slavery rescuer. She works in Thailand and Brazil where she helps to rescue children who are sold off to sex slavery every single day. Thousands of children are sold off just to be able to put on a meal on their family's table, just to be able to take care of their family. Um, today we're going to have a conversation on what we can do to fight this, what we can do to help in this, and also hear an incredible story from an incredible individual who's given her life to rescue children from sex slavery. We hope you enjoy this podcast. Make sure to stay tuned for the end so that you can help support this incredible mission that Lana Vasquez has what were uh, some of your trips while you were in america so i went oklahoma kentucky san antonio amarillo norris city illinois it's like the cornfields it's like what scary movies are made of like seriously oh, yeah, but oh, kentucky kentucky's amazing i went on a hayride i haven't been on a hayride in like 15 years or oh, something wow. like that it was gore on their land we got <laughs> yeah. like a deer antler stuck in the tractor tire like cool wow. stuff like that i was i was easily impressed because it's the country right so we did cool i got to get do some really cool stuff in Kentucky, Marion, Kentucky, Owensboro, Kentucky. So that kind of region. So it was Kentucky, Texas, Illinois, Oklahoma. Okay. Yeah. Oh, man. And Dallas. Dallas. Is you are there. out here for how long? I'm out here altogether. Yeah. I yeah. think I, I, all I know is I just shifted seasons. It went from summer. <laughs> yeah, yeah, <laughs> That's yeah. all I know. But yeah. they, they told me that I've been out here since my birthday, July. So I've been oh, out here wow. since the, wow. the end of July. The okay. end of July. So mm. August, September. We're in October. Right. Yeah. Three. And then now you're back. Wow. Insane. Almost three months. Yeah. Insane. Yeah. yeah. yeah you were here for two seasons for yeah. sure. Yeah. That's awesome. <laughs> That's all I know is that it starts <laughs> to get cold and I was out. I was out. It was 20 degrees in Oklahoma. I'm like, my teeth are shattering. It's freezing. All of a sudden I land in LAX and I'm like sweating. I'm like, what happened here? It's insane. Right. Yeah. So there was some cold front and then over there and then here you got like a heat wave at the same mm -hmm. time. Yep. Oh, yeah. Yeah. On California. It was yeah. rough. It was it not, was isn't it crazy? Yeah. yeah. So when you get back home, what does uh, what does life look like right when you get back yeah. and you get started? When I get back home. So I land and I brought my team from Brazil and my new team from the U.S. because we just opened office in Oklahoma. So oh, they wow. all land. They learn how to do what we're doing, and then we go back, and they go back and start the first ever safe home in the Amazon in that area, in that region. 
So I land, my team lands, I show them how to do what we're doing, and then we're going to start Angola in February. So they learn that, prevent, rescue, heal, and they go and pattern it, they go and media it, they go and talk about it, they go back and do all that. I stay in Thailand for one month, handle all the fires that have been going off since I've been gone, do that, then I go to Brazil, come back uh, this way, and then head to Brazil and go to Amazon, the north, and Rio, and and the favelas. Wow. Yes. Yes. So, I know. Yeah, so, so, busy. so okay, so yeah. I was locked down yeah, like yeah. in a cage for a year and eight months on yeah. the Thai Burma border, right? And God and everything just kept going. So locked down for a year during COVID. During COVID. I couldn't leave. They wouldn't oh. let you back in. Like mm. they so they looked okay. at it as a time to weed out all the missionaries. Because oh, it's my gosh. yes, yes, because it's still very much what they're wanting to do in their agenda. So Dang. if you left, I could lose everything. If I left, I wouldn't be able to get back into this my is children. The, this is the government? This, this is, is a the specific... government, yeah. Wow. In that region of what's going on okay. right now. They're wanting to flush out some um they're wanting a, a What certain... aspect of the missionaries do they not like? Uh, but well, Thailand's still 98% Buddhist. Okay. So anyone that's changing the old Thailand and it, making uh. it something different and making it freedom of religion, freedom of speech, freedom of thought, anybody that's doing that, they want out. That's kind of not conforming and yeah. following in suit with the old regime. Now, would they view you the same being that you're rescuing, yeah. you know, people from sex slavery yeah. or you're still considered in their eyes a Christian missionary? Or? Well, Honestly, they in in their eyes they need us because we're the the where we're at on the Thai Burma border. Nobody cares about the children that are trafficked, which are Burmese. So they don't want to spend one bot, one penny on it. So they need us more than we need them at this point. So they will be fine. But there's so much still in that. You know what I mean? They could make it very, very hard for me. And knowing what we do and what we've been doing, they could still make it very hard. And we knew people that couldn't literally couldn't get back in for a year. So we're like, stay put, you know, don't do that. And, and two, we didn't know with the coup and civil war happening, we didn't know, you know, what was going to happen. And if I, so I just stayed with everyone and stayed at the base and now, yeah. Do they have vaccinations in that country? Forced vaccination. So am I like able to just stay whatever? Now? Oh yeah, on ours. Okay, yes. I'm like, oh, yeah. I'm like, what? Yes. Have, <laughs> I mean, you heard, I mean, have you heard our first episode they, yet? No. Okay. No. Well, so they, they told me a little yeah, bit, yeah, so yeah, I'm like, yeah. I don't know how. There is okay. nothing off limits. Okay. Okay. You know, yeah. so. Okay. Okay. So yeah. and I could say anything. You could say whatever you want to. Oh gosh. We're hoping you do that. We're trying to we're trying to go beyond the Christian cliches. Yeah. All right. All right. All right. Buckle up. Oh gosh. So you asked me if there were forced vaccinations so what people have to realize is where i'm at i'm on the thai burma border so anything and um i'm in the golden triangle so that's china that's burma that's thailand and those three are connected they're big brothers like china thailand and burma so anything that happens in china covid vaccines anything that happens it is gonna gonna push your mic a little closer yeah it's going to happen in um, where it's going to affect th- directly Thailand and Burma. So with all the vaccines, yes, we started all of a sudden seeing them make their own in Thailand and seeing the one from China get forced mm. basically on everybody to where even the government came to my property. I was in Bangkok for a meeting. The government came to my property and basically started 
um, bullying, so to say, my national staff, my house parents, and even for my kids, started bullying them. And thankfully, one of my daughters that was raised since she was 10 in my home, and now she's, I put her through school, and she's the social worker and on the anti-trafficking rescue committee for the government. She stood up, and she said, we actually, because I have 78 national staff, so she stood up, and she said, we have rights. We have human rights. We know our rights, and you cannot, you can't keep doing this. You can't keep bullying us. You, I, I ask you to leave, and you could only come back when my founder and my leader comes back because she will speak for us. And so you need to talk to my leader, and you can't do this to us. Uh, we know our rights. And she, because mm-hmm. she works with the government and because we yeah. raised her to have a voice, they knew they couldn't say anything. What they said on their way out is, okay, but we're going to make it really – or no, they said, just know if you go down this road, it's going to be very hard is what they said. And so just, it's going to be very hard. So she called me, and she said, Mom, this is what happened. They said it's going to be hard. We got a call from the – and we're, t- we're working with the head of social welfare. We're working with these high officials. She said we got a call, and they said it's going to be – we're the government-recognized safe home. So by law and decree of the Kingdom of Thailand, anybody that's trafficked from Burma into Thailand, any child that is rescued on the border they must come through life impact stores that is by law and decree of the kingdom of thailand so what they're saying to us then is they're going to take away that and they're going to shut us down if we don't comply and vaccinate them and our kids and so that's and so she called me and she said mom they're going to shut us down they said or they said they're going to make it really hard to renew our agreement and our contract with them what do you want us to do and i just told them tell them to do it go ahead call their bluff i I need a vacation anyways you know like we all need a sabbatical like we're gonna get a vacation the kids will run away and hide in the jungle with the house parents like they'll still be safe they know where to go they know who where to run you know so we've we've already raised like a family there go ahead tell them you know tell them i need a vacation tell them and so that's what happened like so she told them go ahead like we called your bluff and we never heard from them again so yes they were trying to force it they're trying to force specific vaccinations that they got the bigger profit from because once they or the ones that they got for free Mm, you know were mm -hmm. the some some certain organization gave this much free to the thai government or this much millions of dollars to spend on vaccinations for the poor people in the nations Mm. you understand and so there's a big bigger profit margin there's a bigger thing so it's kind of crazy that you asked that so when all of that was going on here like we had a front row seat to see actually it's kind of bigger than that and there's actually a lot of profit and a lot of it it was we were watching all of this from a bird's eye perspective so we we knew that it was being forced and we knew there was another agenda and we knew there was a bigger profit gap in that and we knew mm. we know who does business together yep. you know in that wow so you said that your daughter said hey we know our rights and mm-hmm. blah 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 mm-hmm. In Thailand, because, you know, United States, we have our constitution. Everyone yeah. says my amendment right of this and this and this. Yeah. What would someone in Thailand, like in her case, when she's saying our rights, mm-hmm. what's what's your right structure? Is there a constitution? Is there what what is the bylaws like? Yeah. What what made her um, be able to say? Because I know in some countries yes. there's no right. It's no. comply or don't. Yes. So if you have some rights, what yes. what, what is that? What is that parameter? Yes. Yeah, so, so okay, so back up. So Thailand is a monarchy. 
Oh, and okay. it's very much mm. a conformist society. So it's a monarchy. And it is very much like that in school or even the doctors. You're not allowed to question anything. So you can't question the teacher. I'm the teacher. You're the student. So you sit down and you, you don't think for yourself. It's not taught to think for themselves. Like critical thinking skills are very wow. low because you know, you're just, you conform. You go, the, they all have school uniforms. Even though it's not a private school, it's all public. They all have school uniforms. They have to cut their hair a certain length. Everything is conformity. And it is all corruption. So it it is very much so that way mm. and it is very corrupt and people don't know their rights or their laws here's the deal we work with child protection that's what we've been doing that's all we've been doing for 21 years so I have a political science major that's the child protection officer and on the 5c committee for the anti-trafficking task force with my daughter that's a social worker so we have to know our stuff like we yeah, have yeah. to know in mm-hmm. working with that so but for the so she would so her what she would know is it's you can't um, okay so she would know the child protection act of I think it's 1995 where if a child, if you find a child, regardless of age, race, ethnicity, you have to legally house that, you can legally house that children and you can legally school that child and take care of that child and receive that child. If you know a child's at danger and you could prove it, you know, if you go and get a police report and you can prove it. So even that alone, so when uh, children, 60 uh, women and children are trafficked daily from Burma to Thailand on my border, nobody would take Burmese children. We were the first safe home actually on our border wow. and when I asked a huge uh, children's organization that this is what they do it's a huge children's organization why aren't you doing anything like you know and they told me there's 12 children that will be trafficked tomorrow unless we do something and I said well why aren't you doing anything they said everyone's scared they're scared of the police they're scared of the border control they're scared of the government because they're illegal Burmese children but then we found out about that child protection act we framed it we put on our wall if corrupt police come if anybody comes there's a child protection act most of the people don't even know about that. Mm-hmm. So most of the people don't know. And this is the problem. This is how this is how corruption, this is why Thailand is number one in the world for children involved in prostitution under the wow, age 18, yeah. 200,000. These are right. They don't know their rights. They don't mm. know these things. You. So the reason my daughter knows in that and, w- and what their rights are is because they study that. They mm-hmm. have to know that to protect themselves against corruption, to protect themselves in these scenarios, to protect themselves in, in different things. We have to be wise as a serpent, harmless as a dove. So she's going to know things as a social worker, and he's going to know things as a child protection officer that nobody else knows that's going to protect us and protect children. That's why they do mm-hmm. what they do, and that's why they're the voice for the voiceless, and that, that's why they take that seat in the government because they, they're the only ones that can fight and actually bring a light and bring real change in that area, if that makes sense. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. So in Thailand... Um, is is Thailand the epicenter of child trafficking? Yeah. And so so given that and prostitution, mm-hmm. um, given that, um, ex, ex, explain explain the, the the context and the history yeah. for for you know what that why that is yes. how did that come about? Yes, I think there's two things. I think there's a mentality, and I think um, and then just natural circumstances. What I found out when we are digging into this, we found out because of a lot of the um, the with with the war, there was a lot of soldiers stationed in Utapau and different bases, and prostitution came just like Vietnam in different areas. Prostitution came really strong in that area. Now it's developed into chi- children forced into prostitution 
population just because of the darkness and the evil against children. Thailand is known as the armpit of the world for ch children involved in prostitution. Wow. The armpit. It is the epicenter. Oh. There is for sex tourism. I mean, you go into the red light district and there's different languages. There's Japanese, yeah. there's Chinese, there's an area where it's like Western and there's just Australians that go there. There's, I mean, there is rings and it is the epicenter in, in the world of that. Part of that is the mentality of, you know, for us, children are our future. Children are our legacy. We, they're an investment. We know we're not going to get a huge return off of them. Mm -hmm. And so we invest into their future, their investment. And later, we the investment for us is their life, their legacy, you know, that they just mm -hmm. succeed. There's a different mentality in Asia. Part of it's beautiful, part of it's twisted, but part of it is the child is, as soon as they can, supposed to take care of their elder. It's Part of it's beautiful, and there's a respect there. There's a great respect, but then it gets twisted into mm. manipulation wow. and use. So as soon as that child can make money or you can get a profit, there's a song even that they sing on Mother's Day, and it says, Mom, you gave me milk, and so now it's time for me to give back to you. Now I could walk, mm. and it's time for me to give back to you. And so there's this pressure on them to provide for their family as soon as they can, as soon as they could start making money. And even in the, in the culture, um, um, the youngest daughter, even if she's a mate or whatever, and let's say the oldest brother is a doctor, it is still her responsibility to take care of the family. So youngest daughter hmm. taking care of the family equals prostitution, hmm. you know, in, in that, to be able to do that in that society. And so it's a very um, mindset. It's a very cultural thing in that that has just got so twisted you know and some of them are still tricked you know they go into these poor villages and say your daughter will be a housemaid or look at she's going to come work in this restaurant mm. or we're going to take her into the city and we're going to educate mm. her and so and that's where we have to do awareness and we do trafficking awareness into the the pools where the traffickers get these kids and that was I, I think that was further back there's more awareness now but 21 years ago when I first started there wasn't and that's how our prevention home started you'd go to the villages where the traffickers were going and get these kids before the bad guys got them. So in that, I think there's been a little bit more awareness. There's less tricking. And now it's more of a cultural norm. Oh, my friend's going to go work at that coffee shop or my friend's working mm. at that a restaurant and it's fine. And then the friend becomes the recruiter wow. into that. And so, and it's, it's very, very normal. 14, 15 year olds. I can take you to the red light district of Thailand right now. And they're out there, you know, just dancing on a table with just empty eyes just with this glazed mm. over look but what happened was they got them when they were eight nine ten eleven and they seasoned them you know like kind of they say like an elephant where you put a chain to them yeah and then they think they can't run and then when they get older then they don't run they, they keep that chain on them and that's what they do they season them break their will to run away they torture them they beat them they threaten them they threaten they'll kill their families they know where they live they'll tell their family what they've done and it's their fault mm. and they shame them and that shame's just them bearable so they feel like they're stuck and they never leave and then then they won't run and they could put them out there in in the you know open in the open bars in the red light district so there's such a process and there's such a history of why and and it, it is to the history of the culture but then also mentality and then also corruption you know in that with the corruption i believe the age of um the age what is that where you consent the age of consent i believe is 14 there Wow. So, yeah, so that plays a, a, a part in it as well. Man, mm -hmm. so during the global quarantine, like um, parts of Hawaii and stuff mm -hmm. like that, the um, 
you know, parts where tourists were always at. There was mm-hmm. fish that started coming, like, mm-hmm. you know, new life started yeah. kind of coming at. During global the global quarantine in Thailand, did sex trafficking and what was happening in Bangkok and stuff like that, mm-hmm. did it um, did it diminish or was there, what was happening during that time? Yeah. Like, was it like, man, see, without these tourists, we don't have as much of these issues or was the kind of the issue still the same? You yeah. Know? I would it wasn't the same thankfully because the, the, their model they weren't ahead of it you know they were still that supply and demand model of the tourism and the sex tourism capital of the world so when tourism stopped everything mm, shut down yeah. so thankfully that shut down and a lot of them were sent home actually like we mm. a lot of them were sent home so that part and that way did stop that did um, it, it did slow that down which was in a good way what we started to see though was um, these uh, so we have a lot of China moving into Burma. So we started seeing these gambling, um, online gambling rings and these kinds of things. We started seeing what what Cambodia has, which is its online uh, child exploitation. So you do a lot of, oh, wow. like, you can't monitor a camera with a parent videoing their seven, eight-year-old little girl, right? And you can ha- make that much, distribute that and mm-hmm. make that much more money. So so the hard part is it was good in that, that kind of physical, mm-hmm. s- really slow down stop because it was at a stop. I mean, everything was shuttered. There was, it was a complete stop. So that part was good. We did see, just like in Brazil as well, we saw an increase in um, domestic sexual abuse. Like, okay. a, yeah, we mm-hmm. rescued a girl that was almost impregnated by her father and um and she was only 11 so we saw Mm. a lot of the domesticated start Mm -hmm. happening then when all the doors are shut we saw it in brazil we're getting all kinds of crazy calls so what was happening behind closed doors so you see that domesticated sexual abuse rise then maybe not the prostitution but then the sexual exploitation within the home and the sexual abuse within the home rise so that shifted a little bit and then it shifted to starting to go on to online rings, which is mm. harder to um, harder to detect and you can do way more, a, a lot more damage too, you know. Uh, I'll give you one example. So how close that is and how much that reaches, how much that reached. Um, there was a guy here that worked on my dad's job site down in, uh, gosh, they were uh, Northridge, I believe. And it was here. And my brother, they worked in construction. And he'd come up. And um, my brother said, he'd come in with a different vehicle all the time. And my brother said, hey, I know construction doesn't pay that much. What's going on? And he started talking about something with children, different things. And he goes, hey, I have two boys. I want nothing to do with this conversation anymore. Did At that time, it wasn't as, I mean, this is years ago. So it wasn't as populated as it is now wasn't as aware but he came to me after he goes I'm shooken up like this guy was saying I think it might be something I have no proof but I think it might be something and we're talking about I said okay keep your ears out keep your eyes out and let's see what we can do not too long later that an ad came out like a um, some kind of news flash deal there was this guy that got busted and it was two kids an eight-year-old and a, a nine-year-old and they two little girls she, he had come to Thailand to the little town that I was at at that time Chiang Mai Thailand the second largest mm-hmm area but what had happened was there was a, a dark web an underlying uh, child sex ring so he had flown to meet them they'd already been sold on the dark web he'd already met them on the dark web and then he was meeting them in person he did some videoing and he said these girls are too drugged to fight back and then so swirled their faces put it online 
FBI, fast forward FBI, that pops up. FBI come to the job site about three days later, start putting this guy in a car. My, my brother said, hey, man, what, what happened? He goes, put it this way. Do you have children? And he said, yes, I have two boys. And he said, you don't want this guy anywhere near your children. But that's like the connection. And that's how far and how mm-hmm. quick the online dark web underground sex uh, exploitation, but then ends up to sex tourism circle is, you know. So that's our next, that's what kind of popped up a little bit more during the time when every when the actual brick and mortar mm-hmm. of brothels closed down. Have you seen the movie Taken? <clears throat> yes, sir. How accurate is that <clears throat> to what goes on in, in, in that realm of like kidnapping? Yes, and, and... yes. So that's, I would say that's that's European and that's very much okay. real. Um, Thailand has been Thailand. How do I put this? Thailand, um, all the brothels are owned by the police, so that part is real. Like the government's in on it, the police are in on it. All the brothels, and then all the police are owned by the Chinese mafia. Wow. And so, so Jeez. yes. So in that, if you go into Jeez. a brothel. On my Thai yeah. Burma border, and I go and do that, I'm dead tomorrow, really. Like, I can't probably can't get out of that country, right? Mm. So you do have to be wise mm. as a serpent and harmless as a dove in how you do things and how you fight. So very much so how powerful and how strong in these strongholds, it's very much real. Like that movie Taken, uh-huh. um, Europe is more aggressive, I would say, and more dangerous than where I'm at in Asia just because um, kind of like you don't mess with them, they don't mess with you, and there's more stealth ways to go about stuff i guess you can say you know and so um so anyways yeah so that's so but it is very have you ever had to have you ever had to do some some gangster stuff like liam neeson (laughs) did in these situations have you ever uh yes so we got the real liam neeson (laughs) we're interviewing the real liam neeson right now so at one point i had to kidnap some kids from the traffickers yeah so we were so on the border they would send them first they get it the way they get these children involved are these begging rings so they go from burma to thailand there's an area called no man's land and there's just no jurisdiction there there's no authority it's just the the no jurisdiction that's where they house all the drugs all the children that's like the supply of everything this everything's housed there because nobody has power over that and so um so we that's where we go a lot to rescue we've rescued so many children from that area and there's this one time we were rescuing children left and right from that area well there was this one little boy in he was the money maker and they were trying to get them we were trying basically they're trying to hold him back from me because he knew just right when he came with me we'd be out and we'd disappear and so they're holding him back they were hiding him and um and so they were hiding him and i was looking for him all the time they knew kind of who i was basically what they say is the dark girl that speaks thai like i'm the dark foreigner girl that speaks thai (laughs) because they don't know what i am they don't know i can be indian very much so over the everyone thinks i'm from india and they think I'm wow. Indian, yeah. so that's kind of okay. Look out for the dark. Do you got like a? Thai. Do you got like a like a like a gangster nickname out there? <laughs> I should. You should, I should. Should, should. You should create one. I should. Yeah, right? You should have one. Well, when we a go, like the ghost, like the, <laughs> like the Indian ghost. <laughs> that'd be awesome. Yes. Right. That'd be awesome. <laughs> you know how we gotta make one. Right. right. Oh gosh, that would be awesome. I think my cover's blown now, though. Right. But, I know, uh, right? <laughs> but uh, I, at that time, I never wore logo stuff. I never wore anything identifying me. We didn't have stickers on our vehicles. We didn't, I didn't, at that time, we just did other things to mm. kind of try to blend in because it's hard yep. to find out where the dark foreigner 
girl that speaks Thai is if they just say that, right? And they'll be like, oh, wait, she always comes by here at this time. And we tried to, we'd switch it up days and months and times mm. and everything like that. So, um, so one day we were walking and we were in that area and I was looking for him and all of a sudden he popped up and I'd been negotiating with the mama-san. A mama-san is like a grandma or a mom that they put over the, over the begging ring, the like girls. The yeah. She's like the pimp to take wow. care of the girls. You know, she gives and do all that. They, and it's a manipulative thing because these girls need a mom. These kids need a mom still. Mm -hmm. So it's a very manipulative thing. So we go to them and negotiate. And they're like, no, I'm the grandma. And I'm like, she's tatted down. I was like, you ain't oh the grandma. Gosh. Like, I'm not stupid, <laughs> you know? And so we would already negotiate with her twice. And she's like, no, he's not here. I'm with the grandma. And he was up there in the little loft. And he started throwing spitballs down at us. And I'm like, he's not here, you know, different stuff. So we'd already been in this <laughs> negotiation. Well, somehow he got free and he was right there and he came straight up to me and looked at me and um and so we start talking and different things and he at this point he's only four but he is their biggest money maker and this little boy had dimples he was the cutest the cutest thing he was their biggest money maker and you can tell like after even after we and for people that might not be putting the the math together yeah. money maker and sex yes right? yes so and this is i mean we you can't all of a sudden put them in counseling because you don't want to trigger their trauma so this yeah. is these are the indicators he would right after we rescued him literally right after we rescued him we brought him to the children's home and he's playing he's so happy he runs and jumps in my lap and he gives me like this lingering kiss on my cheek and you can feel like that's not a kid's kiss like somehow somebody wow. taught him how to do that you know what i mean you can tell when a kid kisses you yeah and, yeah. and in asia they don't kiss mm -hmm. in asia they why they don't touch they don't do that so so it was like this lingering kiss and i'm like oh like he you know you just wow. know and that's there's just indicators when they start doing things and acting out and stuff and so yeah our youngest child victim was a year and a half we took off a little My boy's Lord. diaper and a year and a half and he was messed with in that area and so it, it took a lot of healing you know so there is very much an attack against children in this area and that's and that's specifically what we work with the children that have been exploited but so this little boy i knew he was the money maker i knew they were wanting to keep him off the street i keep him away from me for a reason anyways he popped up so i start talking to him i hold his hand and he, he grabs my hand all of a sudden the mama son comes up and she grabs his other hand and she's like starts pulling him away to take him back into Burma, just like a stone's throw right there. We're on the border. She'll take him back. I'll never see him again. And he'll disappear. They will never, I will never be able to get him again. That was my moment to strike. I actually was with a missions team. I think they were actually friends from Bangkok that were missionaries. And, uh, and they had their little daughter. They all spoke Thai, had their little daughter that was like eight, nine years old. We had uh, the couple and I just said, Hey, hold lock arms, make a human chain. Stay right here. I'm going to go get that little soldier, that 21 year old soldier that doesn't even know what's going on tell him who I am and tell him to get over here and to to be a part of to be the witness so that I don't go to jail for child child trafficking and so anyways I go they do a human chain the little girl starts keeping him occupied and talking to him and playing with him they grab that late lady's arm I said I know she seems like a sweet innocent grandma but she is a mama son she is a trafficker and if you let if you feel bad for her she's going to take that little boy and you will never see that little boy again you have to understand what we're dealing with right now you're not dealing with a sweet innocent grandma you are dealing with a trafficker right now and so I said make a human train and just trust me please don't let go of her arm no matter how much she cries is it's gonna get 
bad, but please don't let go of her arm. So they didn't. And they all made a human chain. Nobody let go of anybody. I went and got that that soldier guy. He came up. She saw, she knows she's a trafficker. So she, she and she's just the watcher, right? So all of a yeah. sudden she gets scared and, um, and she drops everything and she starts to run. We get the little boy. We throw him in the van. We get it. All of a sudden there's word on the street. They're looking for you. Like, don't come back. They're looking for you. Don't come stay. Like, I literally got a call from one of our secret informative ladies that's right there. And she said, they're looking for you. Don't come back for a month. And so I couldn't like come back for Jeez. a month. <laughs> that's the border. Crazy. It's insane. That's crazy. It's insane. So the missionaries, were they Thai or were they American? No, they were American. They're oh, from gosh. Texas, from San Antonio. So I was like, you were just they need traumatized to trust they were they, yeah. Well, at first they were. At first they were. At first they were. But then it was so neat because at first, and he was a little scared, like what's going on? But they got in that van and that little girl happened, happened to have like, she brought a whole bag of her old toys, Legos and toys. And so she got that little bag and they started playing in the van. And that little boy forgot like that, what was happening. Wow. Like God just specifically not just had those missionaries there, but that daughter there to that eight, nine-year-old. God mm -hmm. used that little eight, nine-year-old girl at that moment. Wow. Like that would be the only thing that would probably calm that kid down is another kid. And when you a kid sees another kid, it's not scared or not afraid. Yeah. Like how, you, that's, that's the only thing that calms kids down. And as soon as we got him to the safe home, it was like Disneyland. He's like, ah, you know, like, and, and we asked him, he ate right away. And he said, they hadn't fed, fed me. I said, what happened today? And they said, they beat me. They beat me today. And they showed, he showed me the marks and everything like that. And he, I mean, everything changed after that, you wow. know? And so, but, and, and they'll tell you, I mean, they don't know at four years old what not to tell you. So they'll tell you everything. They beat me, this yeah. and this, you know, and, um, in their, like, as they feel comfortable to tell. So it was pretty neat. They were the, the, the ladies were the ones that had to hold on to the grandma, but the little kid thought it was the coolest thing that she brought her toys for that rescued kid. Wow. And that was the very thing that it helped wow. with that rescue. Isn't that so yeah, cool that an eight, amazing. nine year old little girl wild. got to be How old a part would that, that girl be now? Was, oh like, gosh. How teenager? Her name's Bella. She's so sweet and precious. She <clears> would probably now, um, that boy was four and he's about 14 now. So that'd be wow. 10. So she'd be 18, 19 years. In. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. Incredible. Should, yeah. Wow. So it seems like your hands are, are, are very full. Yes. Uh, in Thailand. Yes. What, what made you be like, okay, we're doing this in Thailand. Mm -hmm. We're going to Brazil now. Okay. So this is, this is crazy that you say your hands are full. So I, cause I say this, um, my hands were full with Thailand and not just Thailand, but Burma. So we started yeah. that for that, those kind of kids, we started, it's called house of hope for the kids that we couldn't, that wouldn't, they wouldn't let come on the other side, on the Thai side. We started a rescue home on the other side for the kids in those rings, mm. in those trafficking rings. It's called house of hope. And so, um, we had three homes in Burma before the coup in the military junta took it back over so I always say it like this my hands were full one with Thailand one with Burma all the while holding Brazil in my heart and when I was faithful to do what God put in my hands mm -hmm. for that season he took care of what was in my heart which was Brazil because I'm not mm -hmm. even there and we're launched in three areas in Brazil in the most focused areas for child exploitation so the crazy thing is people don't realize it's backwards like I never signed up for Thailand I didn't go to Thailand because I heard about it's the uh, eight-year 
year-old girls go virginity goes for $24. It's oh a number gosh. one hub of child prostitution. Babies will go for $18. I didn't wow. I didn't sign up for Thailand because of that. Um I what I was only supposed to be in Thailand for 2 months. 2 months turned into 6 months. Wow. Um the first face I saw at 14 years old, she came up to me and said, you don't have a mom, you don't have a daughter. I don't have a mom from this day forth. I'm your daughter and you're my mom. And I became mama to 52 kids in a prevention home at 24. And so I fell in love with those kids and I'm like, I can't just leave them. You know, it's, I can't just go for two months on a mission trip and leave these kids. But I never signed up to move to Thailand. I mm. signed up for Brazil. Thailand was supposed to be two months, two months and turned into six months, six months turned into a year and a half at 24 became mama to 52 kids at 25 and a half became the founder of an international organization (laughs) that fights against child exploitation but I never signed up to do that wasn't my plan that wasn't my 10-year plan it was just like steps of obedience and you know in Psalm 37 where it says trust in the Lord and just do good do the good that's in front of you and I think the good that was in front of me was to do this home and to do something in Thailand then Burma opened up and so I was like okay I'm gonna do the good that's in front of me but all the while knowing that I was supposed to work in Brazil so um just rewind a little bit I was in between like just my first and second year I was going to Bible school and kind of just deciding okay God what did what did you I knew I was rescued to rescue I knew God rescued me for a purpose and just asking God what is that purpose like I knew I was a go-go dancer in the clubs of Hollywood I got radically saved and my life changed but I knew it was right when things were getting dark and my friends were really getting involved in some dark things in that scene and in the go-go dancing scene the Hollywood club scene all the dancing scene and so I, I was like I knew that I got rescued just at the right time so it's like God why did you do that I know that it was for I know it's because you love me but I knew it was a for a purpose beyond me or greater than me. I I knew that I was rescued to rescue at 19 years old. So what does that look like? What are more pieces to the puzzle help to fill in this, you know, coloring book of this, of the plan for my life? And so part of that, in between that, when I was asking God these questions, I heard a missionary from Sao Paulo, Brazil, and he talked about uh, 200,000 street kids in the streets of Sao Paulo, Brazil, and that you can see five-year-olds walking around sniffing glue to kill the hunger pains because mm. glue is cheaper than food in Sao Paulo, Brazil, wow. and that there's more kids on the streets and there is food in the dumpsters. Now to this day, that number is anywhere from 200,000 to 8 million children that are on the streets of Brazil, and that the store owners would pay off the police to line these kids up and just massacre them and then dump their bodies in the open rotting sewages, and that you could smell the bodies of rotting children in the sewages of Sao Paulo, Brazil, and nobody wow. cares because they look like a problem that won't go away. They're just street kids having street, having more kids, 10, 11, 12 year olds, just kids having more kids. So nobody cares. They're like, you know, just they're like flies to them that are multiplying. So nobody really cares. Nobody's claiming them. Nobody's caring about them. Nobody's going after them. They're just look like more like a problem that won't go away. And I heard this and I'm sitting in my little itty bitty church of God that I got saved at hundred people, maybe. And just in the back of the pew and I'm just weeping, like tears are just streaming down my face. And here I am at that point, I think I was 22. 23 and I'm like what is going on here but at that time like a seed got planted in my heart and the pastor's wife came over to me and said what do you want to do for the Lord and out of my heart said I want to work with exploited children internationally and I remember my aunt was sitting next to me and she goes you do and I said I guess that's what I said you know (laughs) like it just came out and so I at that moment actually I set my face to go to Sao Paulo Brazil that missionary came up to me and said Lana uh, I saw or 
he said, I saw you were wrecked. I saw this happen. When you graduate Bible school, I heard you have another year in Bible school. When you graduate, come work with us. I have a home for street kids in Sao Paulo, Brazil. Come work with us. Wow. I said, done. I had the application printed. Mm. I had everything printed. And I was, uh, so I was going to, that was where I was going to start. So that's why I yeah. said, I never signed up for Thailand. I'm Latin in an Asian country. Yeah, right. You know, I'm loud. I like beans. I like touch, you know, and I, I would wow. fit way better in Brazil. I'm aggressive, <laughs> wow. you know, and yeah. Thais are very passive. They're very yeah, calm. Right. They're not touch. They why they don't touch you. Like when I, I want to hug the pastors, but I have to go like this and like do a little pat on their head, <laughs> you know, I can't touch their head because I have to touch their side, you know? And so it's like, it's so opposite. It took forever to, I've been there 21 years and it took forever for me to even be comfortable there, you know, because I'm always trying to like tone it down, you know? Wow. And, and so in that, like the natural fit, I thought I'd go straight to Brazil, but I love God's plan because went to Thailand two months, signed up for Brazil thinking the end game was Brazil. But every year I'd say, is it time yet? God, is it time? And every year I'd hear, no, not yet. No, not yet. And then at one point when I knew things were going to get big in Thailand, I knew we, what we were going up against. I knew that if we we're going to really like really tackle chi child exploitation, really go to the mouth of the river, cut the head of the dragon off where the children were being trafficked, we were going to get into deep waters. I knew I had to be protected beyond a little foundation. And so um, I knew I had to get legal, like really legalized to protect mm -hmm. ourselves. Just in my heart, I knew it. And so I, we, we started a rescue foundation where I'm the chairman so that if anything, they can't pin it on me that I was trafficking children or kidnapping mm -hmm. children. So we set all this up. And I remember signing my name. And that means that I am the chairman of the Thailand Foundation Board. That means that my face and that everything's connected to my work permit and visa. That means if they took me out, like everyone would know. And, and that's what we how we set it up, that if anything happened, everyone would know what happened. And so we set it up. But that also meant my commitment to Thailand. I would never get to Brazil. And I remember saying to God, God, I guess you use Thailand to get to like, or you use Brazil to help me to work with exploited children, maybe use that to make me aware and to put this in my heart. Like, okay, I lay my Isaac on the altar. Like I just lay this dream down. And if you ever want to pick it back up, yeah. there you go. I put it on the shelf. I just lay my Isaac down, lay it on the altar, lay this promise down. I thought it came from me, but maybe I made it up. And so I just lay it down. Two weeks later, I get a call from a pastor that I went to Bible school with. And he said, Lana, we heard about what you're doing for Thailand. The children of Brazil need you wherever you're at in the world. We will fly you to Brazil. The children of Brazil are crying out and calling out for you. Will you come to Brazil? And this was 10 years into it. And so I really believe that Brazil exploded because I was faithful with what God put in my hands at mm -hmm. that time and stayed faithful with that. And he was taking care of what was in my heart. Yeah, that's incredible. That's you know, awesome. I want to I want to ask you, um, in in regards to kind of the what's going on right now in America and Europe with uh, uh, it's more in the public psyche, uh, child sex trafficking mm -hmm. in mm -hmm. as it relates to the elites mm -hmm. with Epstein Island. You know, mm -hmm. Epstein didn't kill himself is a mm -hmm. popular meme. Mm -hmm. Everybody says now, and um, and. We we're coming to the realization that this is this this happens. It's 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 slavery has not ended. Yes, you know it's it, it's horrific mm -hmm. to the point where you you don't want to believe it. It's unbelievable. Yeah, and so um, 
you know, we were talking in my dad's office uh, a couple weeks ago about this testimony that's floating around YouTube that um, that I was really blown away by Annika Lucas, I think. And she was a European sex traffic victim, uh, and she describes her her testimony as being uh, one of the victims of the elites and how the elites in these in these governments, you know, make their rounds with with these children. And I guess my question is, explain to me the mindset of that. Like, is it is it a is it a sexual fetish for these people or is it darker and deeper than that, like a, a lust for control, a, a Luciferian sort of mm-hmm. worship of the devil, um, a sacrificial sort of a, a ritual. Um, can you explain that? Do you have any insight into the mindset of somebody who commits these acts? Uh, yeah, that's so a little bit. I don't for, for me for 21 years, my focus has been uh, like around the world and children specifically, you know, at risk, exploited children in the nations. Thailand, when we started uh, America, when we started getting involved and just networking with different people and really hearing about this, um, I met with someone in Thailand and they're like, Lana, U.S. is the number one for trafficking, actually. U.S., not these countries, you know, uh, with all this. U.S. is number one for human trafficking. Mm. And um, and it's just so well hidden. It's just so well controlled. It's just so much money and it's just so much more dangerous. And I feel like if you if you you asked all those questions like is it um power is it just a lucifer spirit is it all these different things i feel like it the answer is yes to all of that because if you think how dark does your heart and mind have to be to be able to do that to a child or to Mm -hmm. a kid or to to be able to take a person's soul like that like or to you know to really I mean, to look at them and not see, you know, your own sister, your own mother, your own daughter, your own son, your own brother, like how, I mean, how sick does it have to be? How, and I, I, for me, what I really believe is uh, you see it in, in, and this is the best way I can explain it. You see it even in the Bible where there was just such an attack against a generation. And so, and I feel like it is just another form of attack. You feel, you see it when they just wiped out a whole generation. You see it in the same thing with abortion. You see it in the same thing where I feel like it's another way to take out a generation. It's another way to take away their purity, to take away their hope, to take away their dreams, to just really just take that away and destroy that. That's such a, not just a murderous spirit, but a like you said, a lustful spirit, you know, just such, it's such a controlling lustful spirit. I mean, I walk, when I walk in the red light districts of Thailand, I can, it's so crazy because when I'm walking, I literally involuntarily feel my fists clenching up like and mm-hmm. I'm so volatile I feel like if somebody touched that just went like this I, I, I and I think that's what happened I took a missions team there and I was showing them the problem and one guy he he wasn't even thinking he put his hand on my shoulder to ask me something and I literally went to swing at him <laughs> and I was like oh my gosh I'm so sorry I'm so sorry I'm so sorry it's just natural instinct yeah, you know yeah, everything yeah. in you rises up yeah. when you feel like there's such an, a, a spirit of attack such a victim Thing, when you feel that exploitation, when you feel mm. the enemy just taking advantage of it, something in you rises up for that, you know? And so I feel like, um, I feel, so I feel like it's, it's such a hard, 
not a hard answer. It's such a complicated thing because it's all of the above. There's so much evil that is working in that in so many ways. I feel like it is a personal lust thing. I feel like it is. there is different things, but there is also a, denom- a d- demonic thing to take this from this generation, to take that because once you do that, these girls, not girls, boys too, commit suicide. They, um, Everything's taken, that shame. They can mm, oh, never yeah. live a normal life right, again right, right, the yeah. way they're tortured. Yeah. You're stealing everything from them. You're taking everything from them, you know, and their their life. It's not just their virginity. It's their life. It's their future. It's their soul. And so there's so much in operation in that, if you would say. And specifically to the U.S., I don't know if I could, I would be the, there's so many more people that would be so much better at speaking to this, but I know the spirit behind it in general, in the overarching spirit, no matter where you're at in the world, you know, in that, that's the same spirit that's operating uh, no matter where you're at. Sorry, I, hope I heard that. something crazy regarding um, San Bernardino. I think specifically Fontana, but if it's not, um, you know, forgive me for for hating on Fontana. But um, <laughs> San Bernardino, some some place local, the the local uh, either Fontana or San Bernardino, the WalMarts mm-hmm. is where it happens a lot as far as kidnapping oh, goes. Gosh. And it and it's either Fontana or San Bernardino County WalMarts, mm-hmm. um, where where well they'll you know a parent. Yep. looks looks over for a few, a, a few seconds and their kid is snatched from them you know and, and these white vans mm-hmm. are are always in the parking lots and yes. stuff so um uh watch out be on guard yes this it's, stuff it's is very real. much yeah. more prevalent what we're seeing a lot of they say one of the number one pools for america is the um when the kids age out from the foster care system that there's nothing to catch them there's no net so there's already uh, boyfriends grooming them and it is the pipeline it's one of the number one pipelines craziest thing i was just to see how much more prevalent it's getting i was just in broken arrow oklahoma and that's called the bible buckle of Mm -hmm. the u.s right and so i was there at a football game with one of uh one of a friend's family we're at a football game just a simple high school football game we're sitting there all of a sudden like my spidey senses went off these three girls come up and you could just tell they're so downcast they're so and they're um one girl she told me she was 16 the other one looked about 15 the other one maybe 17 but they're in that 14 to 17 age range and so and they're just they're slunched over they're slouched over they're just you see no life i mean when you're that age you're looking around at a football game for cute guys right you're not walking in hunched over you're not walking and they were coming off of something so they were fully glazed you could just tell they were coming down from something but they were very much um, you, you can tell they were very much controlled or scared or intimidated or groomed or seasoned. And it just kept going off. And she literally sat, they, all three of them sat right in front of me, passing back and forth the e-vape. Just pat, and then I started, started looking. They had tats all over from here, their necks, all over. And then I saw one in one of the girls. And she, it happened to be like a shield with a rose and an eye. And you can tell that was more of a branding. That's what, you know, the pimps do. And, and so that was more of a branding. And I just because in this line of work, I realized, okay. And I was, that's what I was looking for on them. Are there brands? Are there names? Is there a diamond? Is there different things? So when I saw that, I was like, this is probably what I'm thinking it is. So I just like, I, I was just, oh, give me an opportunity. Give me an opportunity to talk to her. So I finally just leaned over and I said, honey, are you okay? And she literally laid back on my leg and she was like, no, I'm not okay. And I said, can, can you tell me what's going on? And she just started talking to me about her life. She has a one-year-old son back 
back. I said, well, where, where do you live? And she said, well, between here and OKC, Oklahoma City. And I'm like, and she goes, I have an auntie here. I go back and forth. And that's what they do. They work in a different city so they don't get caught. Mm -hmm. So they'll go back and forth between Oklahoma City and Broken Arrow. She starts talking talking to me more. I said, honey, um, let me give you my number. If you can call me, I'll, I'll be here for you. You need me. We can talk some more after you get some rest, different things. She says, well, I don't have my phone. It's, it's getting fixed. Mm-hmm. And, and so I said, okay, well, give me her, her. I see she has a phone. They kept borrowing this one phone. So let me get her number. And so I got it. I called it to make sure different things. So I put my number in there and I said, if you ever need anything, this is my name. I put my name and said, this is our number. This is who you call. This is what you call. Okay. And she started talking. She's a little girl just started crying. She start talking to me okay different stuff I mean you could tell she was actually the ringleader from mm-hmm. them and after from everything she was telling me all this stuff her mama uh, passed away of cancer her best friend died had it she wrote her uh, suicide note on her arm all these different things you can just tell she had already been in that situation no care no given she's with an auntie auntie's basically pimped her out or has sold her to the traffickers and she's going back and forth and and this is her situation she has a son she's trying to send some money back home for him or they're holding him saying we'll kill your son we have your son and so and it was it blew my mind Mm -hmm. because i'm like my gosh who would have thought if it's in broken arrow oklahoma like it is so predominantly so so predominant in in our face right now Mm -hmm. in the u.s at such levels at the elitist but then also at the football game that we go to for a high school or football game for one of our relatives. Wow. Yeah. It's in our backyard. Yes. Yeah. yeah. Yes. What, fra- what frustrates you most about the problem? Is it the, do the governments frustrate you most? Do the individuals taking advantage of this uh, economic exploitation, mm-hmm. the, the gangs, like maybe it's all of it, but yeah. is there a particular energy that maybe just really, really frustrates you the most that why can't we figure this part out yeah Uh, is there anything like that um yes so so one thing is the in the countries that i work the mindset so i remember i was in this one um i was we, we went to the one of the most dangerous favelas in brazil it's called city of god and you go in and there's a guy with an ak-47 one way in one way out and you have to have your windows down and the light on and then it looks like a market and there's uh just any kind of bag of any kind of drug that you want it looks like a fruit stand but it's a drug stand there's a little girl right there you go in if you're okay they let you go in um we have approval we have people that work in there so we're okay we go in they take me to this project and they're telling me about this little girl that she's been selling her body for rice and beans since she was eight. She's now 12. The family um, have become uh, believers. They go to a church, but they can't, The well, I say the family, the mom and the other sisters, and uh, but they can't get this particular little girl from, stop her from selling herself. And that um, the drug traffickers, I guess she did something with them. She must have done them wrong or not did one of the acts that she wanted, they wanted her to or something. But they said, next time we see that girl, we're going to kill her. So she had to stay in this one bedroom shanty her one bedroom area and couldn't leave for three months this girl did not have sunlight for three months and had to leave there she's 12 and so they said they're telling me all this they're they're like we're gonna go in and see her walked in and saw her she's in this bright red bra these little daisy duke shorts with everything hanging out she's 12 Uh, i see her we come back to the center and we're all talking about this story more they're telling me mom was a prostitute now daughter's a prostitute mom's not a prostitute anymore but now they can't get it stop her daughter so they're telling me 
all of these stories and or all, all of this situation. And I'm just sitting there and my heart's just breaking in tears. And I to see their faces is so such so yeah. different. I saw five like a girl, she's eight then, but they were like when she was five, she'd do sexual acts for a banana for her brother. You know, like to see mm. their faces, like it, it just breaks you, you know, in such a way. And so when I went back, I just sat there and I just she the girl in the family wasn't around. I just started weeping, just we, just crying. And everyone's just looking around stoic. Mm. And I was like, and I looked up at my interpreter. I said, can I ask you guys something? And they said, yeah. And I said, are you guys interpreting the situation right to me? Do I understand the situation? Because like, I, I just want to make sure I'm understanding. And I, I repeated back what I just told you. And they said, yeah, you're, you're saying it right. You're saying mm. it right. And I said, okay, can I ask you a question? And the whole room said, yeah, go ahead. And I said, why aren't any of you crying? Like, why aren't any of you crying? And they all looked down. And my interpreter, the one guy, he looked up and he said, because, because it's normal in Brazil, because Mm -hmm. this is normal. Like, this is our reality. It's normal. And I just said, it's not normal for a child to have to sell their body for a basic right. It's not normal that they are not forced into trafficking, but they are freely prostituting themselves for rice and beans and that the country is over-sexualized. And because of that, like that is the natural path for anything they want, cell phone minutes, a cell phone, anything they want, food in the refrigerator. Like I I can't tell you how many houses I went to that the 13-year-old girls proudly opened up the refrigerator and smiled and said, this is what I made, like proud with no shame. This mm. and so I think one of my frustrating things is the mentality, and that I want to say I, that wants to be my life message. Like, why don't they cry? Like, I want to mm. say, why don't they cry? Why aren't people that people would stop get stop getting overwhelmed with it and stop using that as an excuse? I don't want to hear these things. I don't yep. want to get overwhelmed. It's too big. I can't do anything about it. And like, actually say, okay, it is big. I, it is overwhelming to hear this, but let me use this to do something. Like, and there's a saying, you know, evil prevails when good men do nothing. Mm -hmm. And so do something like just something, pick one thing, just do something. And if everybody does something, then we can put an end to it. It had to be someone that looked at that giant and stopped letting it oppress the people and torment the people and not, and stop seeing the giant as so overwhelming and so over big and so, and so big and didn't do anything about it. And finally seeing it and being like, no, we have to remove this. This has to be removed. This giant has to go down. so one is the um, the lack of fight for the people to fight, you know, for kids to fight against this, to change the mindset, to change the narrative, the lack, the complacency of, and, and the, it's so easy to get overwhelmed instead of fighting, like the rising up and fighting. No, we all have to do something and we all have to join the fight. So that's one is the mindsets. Two would be the corruption. I remember before we started working with the government, it was like, that's what overwhelmed me the most. It wasn't the kids. Like for me, the kids part is easy because we rescue them. And I get to almost instantly see the transformation when a kid mm-hmm. is safe and the healing that just takes place in our family style setup and in like in, in the to see what happens like really at some it takes longer, but just to instantly see they are safe like there that is such a reward. So yeah. that part is not hard for me to hear their stories because I know I know the ending of right. their story once we rescue them. And I know so that part's not hard, but it's uh, to fight against the corruptions and the mindsets that part 
is hard. And I remember just being like, God, I'm having to change a whole government. Like you're talking about a nation. Like can a nation be saved in a day? You know, like you're talking about higher level establishments, like what you were talking about in those things. So I think that is the corruption of that has, has, is, is very frustrating to me, the mindset or the mentality of, um, of how, you know, of just that this is okay, or it's too either one that it's okay, or it's too big to do anything about. I get frustrated with that because then nobody does anything, you know? And so I would say those things. And then like the countries that I work in Thailand and Brazil, um, it, that the, the mindset of that as well, the corruption that's so embedded in the nation, I have to really be careful of, you know, not hiring the people that will re-exploit the children, mm. not, you know, stealing money and stuff like that. So I get, I get, I get more frustrated with the mindsets of, uh, uh with that and that, that isn't like people can't just switch their mindsets. Yeah. I can't just change that <laughs> yeah, yeah, overnight, yeah. you know, yeah. but it's more of a slow burn. And, and so I have to watch myself with that. And uh, and I have to watch myself with getting so frustrated with the government, you know, because it's yeah. I, I have to work that tension to be able to continue to rescue. But the cool thing about Brazil in, in the very thing that it frustrated, it's been our fight. And there's a shirt that we did in, and it's a campaign in Brazil. And it's my fight, my, chi- my, my child, my fight, my Brazil, my body. And and basically it's our campaign and our girls there and all the projects. They got it. We have the Iron Chef of Brazil. His name's Focasa. He's a fi- he's also a famous martial arts guy Brazilian jiu-jitsu and he gets in and he's tatted from like just neck down huge guy he has a a baby that has um special needs and so she different things so it's his fight against children too and he's big scary guy iron chef has Mm. all the steakhouses in brazil he gets on a video and he's like we need to change this in brazil (laughs) this is our fight this is our child these are their bodies we need to stand up we need to fight for the children in brazil and so we see it actually happening we have voices i just met with the goalie for um, Liverpool. Wow. And he's Brazilian. And so he's doing a whole thing for us, too. So we have these mm. ambassadors that are getting on TV. We got to get change the Jesus statue orange. And we created a our, our team created a national awareness against child exploitation and child trafficking. It's called Orange May a month. And we got a national holiday made in May for wow. these children. And so so the very thing that is my tension and my my like like you said, the most frustrating, we're not letting it stop us. We're still we're yeah. hitting it head on you know so so with with brazil and Mm -hmm. south american countries Mm -hmm. and brazil you think of the jesus statue and and you think about the influence of the roman catholic church in Mm -hmm. in in countries like brazil um is the catholic what is the catholic church doing in response to to sex trafficking do you see uh the catholic church doing doing any any good in that regard any any sort of charities or anything so what people don't realize is there's different forms of catholicism so american catholicism is different than brazilian catholicism catholicism and the reason is this a lot of slaves were brought to brazil and um during uh in in the different ports of brazil so you have such a mix and what this what happened is they brought this witchcraft called macumba and macumba is a witchcraft and so it's not so they mix the two mm-hmm. so the because Catholic- we like mexicans do santa maria and stuff like that yes and like so well it, of- this it's it's a version but if you go it's even that's like more, an african yes it's uh, an witchcraft. african witchcraft okay. so it's different yeah okay. and um it's 
And so, for example, so there was this area um, that the area that we've targeted that is like the it is the I mean, it, it's the the greatest region of child exploitation. I've been to uh, actual there um, like a gosh, what would you call that? A graveyard site where they did child sacrifices and where oh, the wow. women would have abortions and bury the babies there. And then that whole village is known for miscarriages because of that and like just crazy stuff going on. Like I went there and I just prayed over that place and I said not one more drop of blood will be spilled mm. on this ground this ground will it's not like, receive and it's witchcraft rituals it's witch, right? witchcraft ri rituals yeah. in the name of Catholicism you know and so that's oh, why they wow. mix it so they oh. mixed it when they came and so this wow. is what they're doing they're sacrificing their children they're performing abortions they're doing this and putting it in those areas and I saw these witch doctors but, and, but this area in particular is, which is the area that little girls sell their bodies for rice and beans sell their bodies to fill their refrigerator this area there was this big huge Huge and his, it's some um, it, uh, Padre Cicero is his name, and he, he has a statue that's even bigger than it's like huge. It's, I would say it's about the size of the Jesus statue in Whoa. Rio. It is huge, is humongous. So nobody knows Jesus, but everybody knows Father Cicero. And hmm. so we went up there to go and see and really understand. And they took us around this area, and they start showing us these are all these pictures of Father Cicero. This is all these things, and I start seeing all these. It's like a stained chapel and all this stuff. So I'm looking for the Jesus cross, and so because I'm like, surely there's a Jesus cross. And surely at the end of this, we're going to get to the Jesus story. But there's not. There's Mary. Uh, there's everything else. But everything is Father Cicero. And they start, started to show us. And this is the room that when they would bring the different children there and different stuff. And they're like, he was their Jesus. And so we get to the end of the chapel. And in the chapel, and I'm still looking around. So the tour lady, and she lights up when she talks about him. So the tour lady, I start talking to her. And I said, um, I yeah, I see what father sister has done for the community different things but i want to ask you i don't see a cross with jesus like do you uh, can i ask you and i started asking her things about jesus and then i eventually realized i said are you are, so you're catholic do you believe in jesus and she shook her head no she said i believe in father cicero and mm -hmm. so I started to tell her about Jesus and I started, started to tell her all these different things. And this is like, it's a huge thing on a hill. This is a huge chapel church on the hill. And so, uh, so I start talking to her and I start putting her hand, my, I put my hand on hers to say, do you want this Jesus? And I put my hand on hers and I said, do you want this Jesus? And literally she said, get off me. Like mm. it like came yeah, out of her like and I'm a... like, oh my gosh. And so it is Whoa. crazy, but it is so, it is not, when you ask that, it's so different there mm -hmm. because it is mixed with the witchcraft yeah. there. And so, and that came when all, mm. when they brought Macumba, when they brought that on there. So it's, so they are a part of it. They're part of this mentality. They're part of it, but not in the traditional Catholicism. It's in their Catholicism is mixed with witchcraft in, in most of the places that I've been and so they're a part of it because of that wow mm -hmm. wow yes <laughs> it was insane it, yeah. I was like I had never because Catholicism yeah. you know there's still a Jesus on the cross you know right, people right. in that yeah. same Jesus there and was no very, Jesus on the very, cross it's there it's very structured and mm -hmm. it's very and and, yes. and and very charity yes, driven so absolutely. I'm just curious in a yeah you said the city of God is yes. so, sorry well, that's you irony yes. that's, yeah, that's yeah. ironic yes. right no, yeah. it is. so you know of India with Mother Teresa and stuff like that. Yeah, so I yeah. think there's yes. an overall assumption that in all areas that there's a strong Catholic mm -hmm. emphasis or 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 history that they're uh, 
comes in play with it this, yes. this charity or care for the children but yes um, and they do you know, they you have catholic charities that are amazing around the world that i've seen that are right. i mean i just met a, a a sweet girl she's 17 she's like i've seen what they do and i want to be a missionary can i come join you as 17 yeah. year old so that is their heart yeah. but in that side of the world because yeah. of the uh the influence of witchcraft and different things it's complete it's a different mentality in, yeah. in that area you described to me um a situation when you were on the river mm-hmm. in the Amazon in the Amazon mm-hmm. um, and this is that area of the Macumba influence is it's that, all over all yes, that it's, it, it's, could you describe that just yeah. what you experienced yeah. yeah yeah so we're in three regions in Brazil we're in Rio de Janeiro where um, the favelas are the strongholds and the drug trafficking is the strongholds it's one of the most dangerous places yeah. in the world actually to be and so when we're in Rio and then we're in the north which is uh, Campina it's Serra uh, the north of Brazil and that's where it's more the backwards kind of it's expected for little girls to go into a child exploitation a father will sleep with a daughter to prepare her for a life of, so that somebody else won't hurt her and she'll be prepared so the father needs to do, so this is the mentalities wow. I'm talking about Jeez. and we're five that's where I met the five-year-old that sold her body for a banana and the all the stories about selling their body for food in the refrigerators was there um, the next area our third area is the Amazon. And in the Amazon, so Thailand's known as the armpit of the world for sex tourism. For more, the regions of Asia, Japan, um, it services Japan, Australia, Europe. But in here on our side, the two areas for children involved in prostitution exploitation is one, Costa Rica, and two, Brazil. It's one of the largest. So when I was there, they were talking about these. Um, so what will happen is in the poorest areas where the kids are selling their body for rice and beans, they can jump on with the uh, one of the truck drivers that's making their ways up to the beaches where the tourists are coming and they can make more money. So you'll have 8, 9, 10, 11, 12-year-old girls jumping in the truck of a truck driver, going in the bed of the truck, doing whatever they want so that they can mm-hmm. go all the way up to the beaches so that they wow. can get more. And and sometimes if the truck driver gets mad, if they won't do exactly what they want, they'll kick them out of the moving trucks. I, and there's, um yeah, so there's this, this highway, just like it's a famous trafficking highway. It's the BR-112, and it's it's the famous trafficking highway from the most destitute, poorest, you're talking about adobe clay huts uh, area to the the um, to the to beaches, and then uh, eventually, like, just into the wealthiest places. So that's the second area. The third area is the Amazon. So the Amazon, um, you have these rich yachts that go on the, along the Amazon River. You have a lot of Americans, Europeans uh, that also go there. And so what happens is, they say nine out of ten homes, the children are being exploited in that home in these huts nine out of ten of them and um and so what happens is these rich yachts when i was there i actually saw it these rich yachts will pull up to a port and you have these uh these 55 to 60 year old men in their speedos coming out with their bald head or their gray you know hair come out and see these little beautiful brazilian girls that are swimming in the water and point to them and say which ones you know you want or negotiate they go find the head villager find the parent name their price and they put these little girls on the boat another thing happens is they go around and they they have their own little wooden boats and they'll send their daughters or their sons out on the wooden boats to these yachts and they'll have these sex parties 
valleys along the, those rivers. And they say mm. that it is so vast in the Amazon that they cannot patrol them. The police cannot patrol them. And they said, you can hear the screams and the cries of the children off the waters. And basically, if something goes wrong oh in this, God. they'll just chain something to that child, throw them over the side of the boat, and send that little um, rickety wooden boat back with a pile of money to buy the parents' silence. And they'll never say anything ever again. And so this is happening like just regularly in the Amazon. That's that's why we targeted it. I went there and I saw and I heard and I actually saw this transaction happening. The little girl didn't go on, but I saw them come out. I saw the guys come out there in their Speedos and their bellies oh, hanging over gosh. with a beer in their hand with music and pointing and saying stuff. Thankfully, the kids got out of the water, but I saw this happen. Like I'm standing and I feel like God let me see that happen so I could really put an urgency to yeah. start something. But when we went, we went to a home that had, um, it was some missionaries and they had, she was Brazilian. He was from Florida. They had 70 children and she literally, and then they had a hidden home that we went to that was like two and a half hours away, very hidden, very remote. And there was 80 children, children there with two caregivers. Literally she fell on her face in front of me crying. And she said, if you, I don't want your money, she said, I don't want your support. Please start a home. I just turned away 12 children today. I just turned mm. away 12. The, the courts call me. Everyone calls me. I just turned away 12 children. Please come here and start a home. I don't care what you do. We're not in competition. I need you to come here and start a home. We just turned away 12 children. My heart can't take it anymore. I'm getting older and I can't take this anymore. Please come and do this. And um, and actually the government, so we, we started, we launched our program. We're, we have a, a prevention project with 200 children in that project alone mm -hmm. and mm. one of them uh one of them we already started negotiating and the government is begging us and they said please come and start a safe home we can't do this anymore the problem's too big will you yeah. please come so that's the our next step but that's the wow. amazon yes i don't want to get you in trouble but i want to <laughs> ask a question oh gosh <laughs> <laughs> i've heard it said though before that there are a lot of phony sex mm -hmm. trafficking organizations yes. out there yes. that will raise a lot of money and the admin fees and the marketing is like 90% of their budget and like 10% of it is actual work and they have millions of dollars and they'll at the end of the year say we saved three kids and I, I've heard people say, man, it's like it's very popular right now that they say they're doing this, but they're not. And I, we've always known you, but yeah. I've known like you actually are doing it. Does it bother you that those organizations exist or or are not really fulfilling their mandate or or call that they say? So it's crazy. That should have been my answer to the first thing when you said what breaks what <laughs> frustrates you, frustrates yeah. you. Because even you saying that mm. makes me want to cry. Wow. Because I remember at one point just saying, God, like we were. I remember before we had our promised land and the family style safe homes, we were in a five bedroom, three bath, like concrete jungle with no grass. And we had 60 kids and we were literally kidnapping them from the traffickers, literally getting babies. And, um, and that's babies were going for $18. And so, and I just remember, and that that's when we actually got that little boy, one and a half year old and opened up his diaper and saw that he'd be mess, been messed with. So we were having this, these real life things in front of us. And at that time I didn't have time to go on Facebook 
Facebook. I didn't have time to go on. <laughs> There's a rescue. A child is dying. You're not going to go and do a social media post. I didn't have anybody doing anything like that. We were rescuing. We were busy doing the work. Right. I didn't have anybody doing yeah. our media or anything like that. And I remember like the, the um, local clinic would call us, the Burmese local clinic, because they, they would have the baby and then there would be traffickers waiting and ready. And people were in and out so they couldn't monitor it. So I remember them calling us and it was at a time where I couldn't even feed the baby's rice. And I remember just saying like to them, hey, I can't feed the children I have right now. We're really struggling. Like, can you find somewhere else to give this baby? And babies are so expensive, obviously, you know, you guys yeah. know. And so a rescued baby would drive your budget up $300 a month. So you have mm. the Pampers, you have the formula, you have the wow. baby mama, you know, you have all of that. Yeah. And so, um, so all of that would go up instantly. And I didn't have that. Like, I didn't know how I was going to, and I was responsible. So I was like, I, I know you don't add more children for, you know, like it doesn't make sense if I can't yeah. feed the ones I have. So I asked the clinic and I asked the hospital, what if I don't take this child? And they said, if you don't take this child, this child will end up in the hands of a trafficker within 72 hours. And, um, and so if you don't, there's nowhere else, nobody else will take this baby. And I remember just crying out to God and saying, God, I'm doing everything you've asked me to do. And I don't have a media platform. I don't have any, I don't know how to do any of that. Like, but I'm doing what you asked me to do. Something's got to give. And I remember that point of frustration, you know what I mean? And I had at that point, like I said, something's got to give. And then from there, God supernaturally provided the promised land and the rice and gave me the promise, you know? So I really had to, to really check my heart to not get bitter and to not, and to just be like, okay, you know, that it's kind of like that, that passage where it says some preach Christ for other motives for this and for this, but I'm just going to rejoice that Christ is preached, whatever, you know? So at the very little, at least they're talking about child trafficking and child exploitation, (laughs) at least some words, it might cost awareness. Two million dollars to bring awareness, yeah, yeah. but at least they're yeah. doing it. But it's, I mean, it this just literally happened. Uh, some other board members that are pastor friends of mine, uh, they came and they said, Hey, did that other organization ever contact you? Because they're an awareness organization, but they're looking for safe homes to trust. And they said they have two million dollars in the bank mm. and they're looking, wow. they're just looking for other children's homes. Did they ever contact you? And it's funny, but I contacted them in Bangkok. I said, Hey, I heard that you guys are around here. You're looking for a safe <laughs> I heard you home. You got some money. You're, Hello. You're like this person told me that we all know each other like hey you're looking for a safe home we're your people we got them you know like come up and see us come up and do this let's network and all this stuff and it was like cricket so I just have to do what God, yeah. I have to stay in my lane. I have to yeah. keep my heart right and pure, not get bitter against people. Yeah, yeah, you yeah. know what I mean? And, and that kind of thing. And just be like, well, at least child, you know, exploitation awareness yeah. is being preached and everything, but yeah. it does hurt my heart. It, it did, you know, it affected yeah. me probably before more. And then now it's like, I'm, I'm, a, I'm used to it now. I think it, yeah. in the beginning when we were and when it was really hard and I'm like, this is life and death. And, and, and we need, you know, this, we don't even have rice for rescued children and hear this and this. And so that was one of the hardest things for me. And now I think I'm okay. (laughs) I hope so. I still, obviously not if I start to cry, what do you ask me? Well, I mean, you know, I think, I think right, right. I think righteous indignation and righteous anger is, uh, is is perfectly acceptable. I mean, you know, I would, I just, I hear you and I couldn't imagine because I'm aware of, you know, being a pastor, I'm, I'm aware of so many organizations yeah. that come through and, yeah. and you look for the fruit, right? You yeah. look, you look for, and so it's like, I me us knowing you for so many years and, yeah. and me knowing how many children you guys are rescuing between yeah. 
Brazil and Thailand and, and then and then someone will tell me you got to check out this organization yeah. they they did six kids this past year and yeah. I'm thinking great I mean one <laughs> life is great yes. it's beautiful but 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 I know how much they raised yeah. and six kids to the admin costs which is marketing and awareness it, the, the math isn't mathing you yeah. know yeah. and not saying they're doing anything uh unjustly with the right. money it's right. just uh they don't it appears they don't want it they're not getting their hands dirty mm-hmm. like like you are yeah. you know and so i i mean i can i definitely sympathize with with the emotions of tears <laughs> sorry of thinking of it uh, i because i i would feel the the the, the same exact way you know yeah. so um, what's the big what's the bigger need uh financial support or uh missionaries mm-hmm. uh, called to this or something else you yeah know? um so i mean it's all a great need i think for us right now uh, sorry. Um, I think for us right now, we have, I, I do need more missionaries that we can trust and people that will run projects. And like, you're talking about permanent missionaries, not the, not the, not the six day missionaries, yes, right? Yes, 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 yes. That is for them. <laughs> Those six day trips are for them <laughs> because we love them. That's not for us. <laughs> oh, that's great. That's a great that's point. Good perspective. People need to know that. Yes, yeah, and yeah. that's yeah, okay. If, that. if we understand yeah. that yeah, and yeah. going into it, then there's right, no right. unmet <laughs> expectations. Because hey, I'm going to Thailand yeah. to do blah, 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 blah. And you're yeah. like, no, you're going to Thailand for yourself, you know, and for your own faith, which yes. is which is great. Which is fine. If you, you put know? it that way, yeah. and if that's an expectation, and we all know it, it's all out there, that's awesome. Let's do this then. Right, like, we right. will give you the best encounter, you know, yeah, with yeah. this and, and help you be a bridge to the nations for your call like yeah. then let's do that because we, right. we can do that too you know so yeah, absolutely <laughs> so yes yeah. so you need you need called missionaries <laughs> yes right? yes we okay. do um that because we need people that we can trust in these places you know in these places of um corruption in these places of that and and actually we have like i said i have 78 national staff in thailand uh, burma of course because we're in a mili- uh, coup right now from the military junta all of them are nationals and no foreigners should be there right like inside permanently right now and then in brazil i actually have a missionary what she's a canadian and he is from um brazil He's from Manaus. He's from the Amazon, and that that's a married couple up there. And my nationals are killing it, but we do mm. need missionaries. Mm. We need missionaries that can just come in, and you just know, you know, when they come in, their motives are pure. They're coming. They yeah. gave everything up to come here, you know. And so we need missionaries. What else do we need? We need. And um, we had someone that came from our church on a little trip, yes. and she stayed. Right? Yes, for four years. Oh and my she, gosh! And she—that's exactly what we needed. She's a therapist counselor, and she boom boom. Boom, boom really got our kids went on to one of our trips place. and she's like i'm moving here yeah one of our wow. one a licensed yeah. therapist counselor exactly wow. what we needed that is specialized in early childhood That's trauma wonderful. yeah that yeah. was that, now. That's wow. what we need. Like stuff like <laughs> yeah. that. That is what yeah. we need. You know. I would say we need that. I would say we need other resources that aren't just um, money. So yeah. other like things like this and platforms and awareness because we're doing the work. So that if we're doing work, we don't have time for all the awareness. Yeah, yeah. Other you know people what I need mean? To, 
facilitate the conversation. Yes, and, yes. Yeah. I'm right, like, right, I'm leaving right. on Sunday. I don't have anybody right. going to churches and raising money for Life Impact and yeah. talking about no Life Impact. No following you with a camera. You know, no, yeah, I right, get back right. on a plane. I'm back in Thailand. I'm back in the dirt. You know, and then <laughs> after I'm back in Burma, I'm back in the uh, Brazil. Well, Burma, but Brazil in the favelas, yeah. you know, like in the, we're, Amazon. in the Amazon, like we're on boats. With, like this isn't, you know. This you, don't got, you don't got time to, <laughs> to do an Instagram reel, right? <laughs> you know, so we need help with that kind of stuff. Yeah, you yeah. know, so I would say resources also that are beyond money, you know, stuff yeah. like that. Awareness for us that keeps getting the word out there and keeps getting that out there. So I would say that I would say um, I would say people, you know, and, and the resource of their skill set. You know, the greatest thing that happened to us was a missionary couple. He was uh, he uh, his third generation horticulturalist, and then she was interior design, architecture major, minor, and they built our family style safe home. Seventeen wow. of them on our mm. promised land, and and so and then we just started a greenhouse, chicken coop, cricket farm, a fish farm. To if anything happened like COVID again, mm-hmm. we're seventy percent self sustainable on oh, our promised lands. So if we have people that have these skill yeah. sets and will come and stay, let's say it's not long term. Let's say, I mean like longer term like that. Let's say it is a month, and they'll come and pioneer this, or come and pioneer, yeah. uh, you know, some kind of work, or come and train our people in this, and and leave these skill sets, and they they could dedicate, That's you know, great. a longer, a, a shorter, longer term like that, but they don't have to move their whole family. We need things like that, resources like that that are yeah. that are beyond money. It's more like skill sets that can help yeah. us if you if you know. And I say it like this. Like I say, so with all of this, and we we leave these things saying, okay, well, what can I do? You know, I can't move my family. I can't do this. I'm, I'm supposed to be here. I'm supposed to be, I have this business. I have this. And what I say is, what is in your hand? Just like what God said to Moses to free the captives and free the people. What is in your hand? You know, yeah. what what is it? Time, is it treasure? Is it talent? What is in your hand that you can use to help free slavery, to help free modern day slavery? And so, yeah. Yeah. That's, so that's really good. Does it does it does it upset you if someone goes to like Thailand on a vacation? <laughs> no, no. Do you want me to cry? <laughs> Do you want to get me mad? <laughs> no, I'm teasing. I'm teasing. I'm teasing. I'm sorry. <laughs> that emotional reactions know, make great right? clips. So. I know. I know. I He's like, I want clips. you to cry. <laughs> I want the TikTok clips. Like... <laughs> so tell me, does it upset me? Does it upset you if someone? Uh, answer could be no, but yeah. if someone just goes to Thailand, because you hear Thailand's a beautiful place, you yes. got to go to it. Yeah. You got, but obviously you can't turn a blind eye yes. to what happens mm-hmm. in these in these countries. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Does it bother you if someone just, oh, I'm going on vacation, I'm going to this beauty side of Thailand, but to get there, I have to almost put a blinder on and yeah. act like this thing doesn't exist. Does, yeah. does, 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 does that bother you in any way? Or, or like, is, is, should that be an awareness for, mm-hmm. for an American is like destabilize their tourism yes. if you want to, you know, do something, don't go to the the island side or is that more of a hindrance does 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 them going to that side still help the economy like what's your thoughts on that my gosh you guys have like Mm. really good questions that's tough (laughs) we're curious really good i know so but you say that and then i think of hawaii hawaii has such a huge prostitution problem too and homeless problems so do people stop going to hawaii no like no they're going even more even though it's more expensive you know what i mean and so so for me like that's so hard like honestly i i don't want to say oh stop going 
going, then you won't feed their tourism. Because if they're going to, let's say, a family trip in, I've been there, Phuket or somewhere like that, there's areas that have nothing to do with the prostitution mm-hmm. like that, you know. But I think that it doesn't hurt to be aware and to, and why don't you do something good while you're there too? I know you're there to unwind and to shut down. I understand this, you know. I always would joke because I'd be like, I need to, I need to go to Hawaii because I can't go to the beaches of Thailand because I can't turn it <laughs> off. Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so we would we would joke about that and different things. And so I'm I'm like, why can't you find an organization and while you're there, be a part of the solution? Too. Like, mm-hmm. why don't you just spend three more days and find there's children's homes in all on all of those islands. There's children's homes in every area. There's works. You find out an organization that you've heard about because you know about this, a, a reputable organization. And and I know they've turned it into like a they call it vacation tourism, different things like mm-hmm. that. I've seen them do it in yeah. Cambodia and stuff. But I have a different take on that. Honestly, yeah. I think, my gosh, who wouldn't? They're giving their time and they're coming and they're saying, hey, I'm going to go on vacation there, but I want to be part of the solution so i'm going to volunteer three days or i'm going to find an organization i'm going to go visit that with yeah. my kids i'm going to take three days of my holiday and go and visit it go and see it and go and be in part and maybe then support it monthly you know or and because yeah. you saw it from there or or make yourself aware of that and be a part of that you know so yeah, yeah, yeah. i don't because i'm telling just because you don't go I mean, there's st- there are beautiful islands and beaches, and Thailand is neat. It is. It's just there are ways to fight it. You know, you get what I'm saying. Like, yeah. there's ways to yeah. not be a part of it and to be a part of the solution. Yeah, and right. to be a part of the fight against it and still go on your vacation. Yeah, 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 yeah. I just think I think in some respects, like uh, th- that aside, it's like ludicrous when I'll be on like TikTok and and you'll you'll get kind of you'll show in a video where individuals are are showing like lady boys on yes. on the, on the streets and stuff like that it's crazy you know that's what they're and called. they uh yeah and mm-hmm. they and they and they celebrate celebrate or at least like it's um they're exposing you to this level mm-hmm. of side but you also think to yourself there's this this american person filming this tiktok content all while this is an adult lady boy yeah. they probably were haven't been in this since they were a child but just mm-hmm. just in it they're purposely turning the camera or Mm -hmm. as they're there they're manipulating you're seeing this Mm -hmm. side of children Mm -hmm. that you're just like kind of turning a blind eye to and you're just saying that we're just making good content to show you the funny side of the red light district of 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 thailand and that gets me mad because you're desensitizing it you're Mm -hmm. desensitizing like you're it's just like the movie hangover you know, and a lot of it was filmed in red light districts and yeah. it's like, and you're making it party and you're making it fun right. and you're desensitizing and it, yeah, right. it. And then, so when I see 35 year olds on that plane, like about three guys and then right. and he overhear what they're talking about and under, overhear how cheap the sex was and different things like that stuff ticks me off. Yes. Mm. That stuff gets me mad because absolutely in that side. And when you desensitize it, it's just like with pornography and trafficking and that connection yeah. when people desensitize sensitize that and understand that that's a supply and demand chain too you know like that yeah. yes that that now that is different now you're talking about whole you're <laughs> oh, yeah, not talking yeah. about taking your family to no. go ride elephants right. in, in crabby yeah, you know yeah, yeah, you're talking yeah. about going to the red light district and it's all fun and games and no that's you're you're desensitizing and you're making light of exploitation yeah. and of you know in in that yeah maybe they weren't maybe they weren't forced at one point but i've been yeah. there and i've been in that area with the lady boys and there's little 
there's little boys that are that are running the beers and there's little boys at about 12 years old i've saw i've seen little boys it's called uh soy cowboy is actually what it is and i've seen that and like you said there's kids over there that are in that area yeah. and it's just all it is it's uh, a grooming it's grooming it's desensitizing it's over sexualizing and all that path is just led, leading into exploitation of a child that ends up of exploitation of a child because what happens is somebody gets drunk and they don't want that that lady boy but they want that little boy because mm -hmm. what happens is they start getting scared of the prostitution and uh, ones that are freely selling themselves because they're scared of HIV yeah. they're scared of diseases and so they think that the kids can't carry it as much or they don't have it as much and so their eyes start looking at these children you're already in a perverse like um, um, spirit you're already operating in perversion so to go for that little 12 year old boy that's right there that's selling the flower or that little you know 10 year old mm -hmm. or that little one I've, I, I, I know Know that ring it that's where the road leads to that's what the grooming that's what when we rescued some boys from a begging ring that was what the end game is is first they're in the begging ring and we desensitize them we torture them we get them to check out and then eventually we can put them in the bars with the lady boys at 12 and 13 and 14 and they'll do sexual acts so we mm. they have to we have to connect that somehow they have to connect that that leads to that and it's not funny mm -hmm. and it's not okay and there's not a, you know, like when you do that, you are exploiting the exploited. Yeah. When you do that, you are feeding into child exploitation yeah. when you do that. And that does equal that. D does the monarchy have any concern about these things? Yes, I have to be very careful. I know. I don't yeah, yeah. Give me, no yeah. problem. So we have a, it's called Lay Majest Law. Okay. So if you speak anything okay. bad about the market, the yeah. monarchy, so I'll just tell you. Um, in the most uh, easiest way I can. So our we had a shift. So we had a king before, um, a beautiful, wonderful king of Thailand. And he passed away, and everybody loves him. He's still the father of Thailand, but he passed away. And so now um, when he passed away, the military took over. Okay. And so we have been in kind of like a silent coup. We had protests around the side of side, time of COVID mm -hmm. and when the protests in America were happening, mm -hmm. we were having protests as well. They have now been silenced and um, and with that law, so uh, that's what happened. So now it's we are ran by a military as nobody realizes that we are still under a coup. Mm -hmm. um, there is another king and um, and so he is taking over, but the power is with the military right now. Okay. And so that's, yep. that's where we're at. Okay. Yeah. yeah. So you, you mentioned the word grooming and that's, mm -hmm. that's, that's uh, popular on social media and on, on the media yeah. uh, platforms right now mm -hmm. with America, because mm -hmm. we're there, there are elements of our society that are trying to normalize, mm -hmm. Yes. you know, they're calling some professors have, have a liberal perfect or leftist liberal, however you want to say it, um, have come up with this term map minor attracted persons mm -mm. and trying to desensitize uh, and normalize pedophilia. Yes. And then you have these um, these uh, drag queen shows for toddlers that are happening yeah. and these these uh, sexualized books that yeah. are uh, in these in these elementary schools and junior high schools now mm -hmm. and so on. So when you see this happening in America, what are your thoughts? You can give me a cry again. <laughs> Gosh. Um, I know where that road leads, you know, because I'm in these countries that in Brazil and in Thailand, and it leads to 
again, you're exploiting a generation. Like you are normalizing, you're calling good, evil, and evil good. And you're doing this to the children and it's going to be beyond repair for this nation. And you're going to turn into a third world nation if you continue down this wow, path. Yeah, mm. you will turn into a third world nation if you continue down this path. You will be like Brazil where you have um, eight-year-old boys raping their four-year-old sister. And oh. you will be where five-year-olds are performing sex acts for a banana. And, and maybe not for a banana. Let's say for uh, the newest Barbie doll. You know what I mean? When you start over in sexual, you know, when you start doing that and th good becomes evil and evil becomes good for a child, you there's children are pure for a reason. There's purity. There's, you know, there's in that when you start taking that away and over, um, over exposing them too soon, my gosh, you, you take away the soul of a nation. You take away a whole generation. Like you, you're honestly, wow, you, so you'll deep. turn into one of the third world nations that I serve in very soon. Hmm. That's yeah. how I feel. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I see Brazil, and this is the problem. This is where, like I said, you have eight-year-old boys sleeping with their four-year-old sister, trying to yeah. do something to their yeah. four-year-old sister. You know, yeah. you have, and we hear these stories, and they're horrendous. They're once a year on the news. You will be hearing this more when you over-sexualize that, and then you awaken them before it's yeah. time and before it's right. They don't know, you know, and they, they already said the number one abuser of children is other children that have been sexually mm, abused. Mm -hmm. wow, so you yeah. start doing this and opening this up. It, I mean, that's you've wakened a sleeping giant that it will be very hard to reverse. Yeah. <clears throat> I remember I was pastoring when I first started youth pastoring within the first year I had I had a youth student that was 17 and she came to me. And she said, hey, I, I think I need counseling. I think I need to talk to someone. And I said, okay, well, what about? She said, well, when, um, when I was 12, my dad would consistently rape me, and I got, I got pregnant by him, and, and my mom was the one who took me to the abortion clinic yeah. to have the abortion. And she says, uh, I don't think I'm okay. And yeah. I, you know, in, 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 in seminary, they don't teach you no. what to no. do in your first year as a youth pastor no. to, to, to even say um to someone how to process that. And, yes. and, and obviously over years we did help her process and, and, but she, I mean, she's, she's still struggled and yes. struggled and things like that. And her being a young adult today now, yeah. um, are there any, like just some, some like key things that you, you kind of first do with some of these individuals who are, who are really struggling with, with trauma yeah. from things that have happened, you know, yeah. nowadays in America, we'll, we'll, we'll label it um, like sexual assault, but it, mm -hmm. I mean, it's, it's so much deeper than that. Yeah. And it like that to me has even become just like a friendlier term to what it really is, mm -hmm. which is just detestable, you yes. know, uh, in every way. What, what are, are there any like kind of key things you do to help someone process who uh, a child or anyone mm -hmm. that when, you, when they come to you or is yeah. there like a three-step thing that you do or four-step thing or anything like that? Yes, we do. Mm -hmm. um, because we work with children in that, and sometimes a child, you, you can't 
the, God created our mind in such a beautiful way that sometimes it will, if it can't handle it so that you don't go crazy, it'll block out some mm-hmm. things and you'll kind of block out and then it'll release it when you can handle it. So if you try to tap into that trauma before they're able to process it instead of it naturally processing, yeah. then that, you know, that that's different. So what we do in our, so when we, they first come through our rescue home and our safe home and our doors, um, one, we teach them safe touch. So first we have to teach them we're the good guys, not the bad guys, because everybody in their life that was supposed to be good has been bad. So they don't know that they can trust us. So one for them over there, we teach them we're the good guys, we're not the bad guys. And they have to just see that over and over, right? But one thing we teach them is safe touch. Like this is your body. These are your rights. Like what happened to you is not your shame. It's they did something wrong to you. Like this, it's not because you did anything. It's not because you welcomed it and you opened it or you acted a certain way. It is not your fault. You know, when somebody pushes their boundary over you it is not and we take away the shame from them that they don't carry that shame on them yeah. anymore mm-hmm. we try to show them that they are not um they're they're not the one to blame for this it's so important with kids that they that that person whoever did that were that was the offender that was the one so that was the first thing and we do safe touch but we we for children we do it's called play therapy and we do play therapy and art therapy and so if they can't verbally or aren't ready to verbally process they color and they start doing it and then they start drawing scenes or they start drawing things of Mm. their life and different stuff and so we can see through their colors and you know and and different oh this is my mom this is my mom's boyfriend oh this is me you know and so they we do so they color and they'll tell us and then we also give them dolls and they play out at like different things with dolls and so show us what a typical family night is show us what your you know typical uh, time is show us when you're at the house with with your mom show us what and then so they'll just start acting out with dolls and then okay. we can tell so we do we do therapy like that in america you guys are so you have way more resources than we do there's so much uh people that specialize yeah. in child trauma therapy or even other ones good ones and i know you guys as you you know those people so we um so that's what the thing is we do in in a christian way with not just like psychology we put on medicine different stuff i'm not yeah, you know right. but because that's that's a go-to in Thailand. It's okay. Yeah. Let's process with them if they need different stuff. Okay. But it let's process with them what has happened. So we give them those tools of processing, mm-hmm. if that makes sense. Yeah. So therapy for children play or um, art therapy for children, um, safe touch. Now, what are the rules now? You know, yeah. the rules are if anybody ever tries to touch you there or do this, this is what you do. This is your rights. We give them back their dignity. We give them back their voice. We give them back their basically um, the way they feel, you know, their security in that. And we try to teach them they're not, you know, it's they're, they're not at flame blame. We give them back. We take away the shame from them. So those are more the steps that we do. Those are our first steps. As soon as yeah. they come in, safe touch, play therapy, art therapy, uh, getting them. And then with them, we walk through them from three months to a year to where they can transition to their forever family on the promised land. So those are our steps Mm. with children. So Mm -hmm. for me here, I could see where you guys do have a lot of um, Christian therapy. You do have a lot of mentorship. You do have a lot of people walking through that process in that and and taking away that shame from them Mm -hmm. and really restoring their dignity. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Wow. Yeah. Wow. It's crazy you said about that story. So that was part of 
in Brazil, I think that's what broke me. I met with another large children's organization and, um, and I'd heard story after story. And this last one broke me and it was an 11 year old girl and she was in holding the hand of the boy of her, uh, the boyfriend and they were in their bed, the boy, the mother and the boyfriend's bed. And she'd say, mom, make him stop, mom, make him stop. And the mother would not make him stop because she was afraid to lose the boyfriend and she's afraid to lose the income. Wow. And that's what you see that they'll, yeah. they'll do that because they're afraid to lose that lover and they're afraid to lose that income for the family. And we see that over and over again. And, and it kind of ties back to what you said, where do I see you going? Um, those children will grow up to be adults. Yeah. And so if they're over-sexualized at a young age, what is the end? Like, yeah. what is this going to reproduce? Right. And they will grow up to be results. Right. Where is the boundaries? Where's yeah. the stop? Where's the end to it? Wow. Yeah. Right. You know. That's massive. Yeah. So what is your ultimate vision for your life before you depart to be with Christ? What What are you, what are you praying for um, specifically that you want in place yeah. for your legacy? This is also a crazy question because I was just talking about it. At the end of the day, I don't want to be known as the girl who rescued kids. You know, I honestly, I was just talking about this. For me, I um, I got radically saved at 18, 19 as a go-go dancer in the clubs of Hollywood, and I know God saved my life, and I know I would be dead if it wasn't for him. And so I committed, my personal vendetta was to protect and fight for innocent and vulnerable children and to tell as many people about Jesus Christ before the age 19 because nobody ever gave me an out. Nobody ever invited me to church. I did not know one Christian. Nobody ever said, you don't have to live this life that you're living. You're living it too fast. You're going to well, go into yeah. destruction. No, they they just thought that I would reject them and reject mm -hmm. another way of life. And so those are my two personal vendettas. So in that, I said, God, if you give me a second shot at this life, it's yours. All these broken pieces of my mind, my heart, my body, I give these pieces to you. And if you could do anything, they're yours. So it wasn't so much that my life goal was to rescue every child from child exploitation. Yeah, I want to do that. But in the end of it, I've been thinking about this lately. And I asked God, God, you've given us so many lands, so many countries. We're going to start Life Impact Angola in in February, actually, mm. um, they speak Portuguese. One of my teachers in Brazil, wow. she came. We, uh, she, she was weeping, and she just said, "Hey, I know I'm serving the children in Brazil, but my country needs life impact. My country needs us. Can I go back to my country and start Life Impact Angola?" So February, we're starting Life Impact Angola, wow. and um, and we just right now we're in negotiations for it. Actually, was this huge crack house, and uh, and it's in the most dangerous favela of the city of God, and we're that one. Uh, one of my girls, she like literally goes with her baby on the hip and negoti is negotiating <laughs> with the head. Wow. It's called the Red Command. They even have their roots in Colombia, the head drug mm. traffickers. She's uh, negotiating with them. They're going to give us this building and we're going to turn it into a vocational training center for kids so that they don't have to sell their bodies. They don't have to be a drug trafficker or a drug trafficker's girlfriend. That they And this building, we could reach 300 children in one week in this building. Mm. And and they've all, the drug traffickers wow. already gave us the soccer field. Wow. And so, and, and our negotiation with them they have like 10 kids right and we're like your kids can come free we'll teach your kids English we'll do this and they're like so their yeah. kids are we're taking care of their kids wow. too so they have wow. a person I said you just have to protect us and basically give us the right to the soccer field and if, Gee, if, if the whole community knows that the drug traffickers are protecting us and give us the right nobody can do anything dang. nobody everybody will be scared nobody will do wow. anything they still cut off hands if you steal from the drug traffickers there they have a whole com a community if you do something they'll cut the body into different pieces and the pigs will 
eat the piece of the body. So they're still very much scared of these drug traffickers. So if they run the show there, so because we have their blessing and because we have this, nobody will touch us. Nothing can happen. This is happening like literally right now as I talk to you in these areas. We're mm. building the first war zone orphanage for the kids in the war zone in Burma. We got a secret location. It's the trade route. So it'd be the last place hit in the civil war. So we, and it's in, it's a strategic area. So we got all these things going on, right? And one day I just recently, I asked God, God, why did you trust me with all of this? Like, why have you given me these relationships, these people, these, you know, people that will help us like these lands and these buildings and these nations, like I'm, you know, I'm, I'm not anybody special. Like I'm just yeah. a little, a four eleven and yeah. a half for crying out loud. You know what I mean? I come from Simi Valley, California. Like there's nothing special about me that like, why, why are you giving me all of this? And I literally heard God say, because I can trust you because mm. I can trust you. And I know, I know I always have your yes. And so my end game is when I write my headstone and when at that, that on it, it says here laid the woman, the woman that God could trust that mm. no matter what he gives me, if it's a child, if it's a nation, if it's a project, if it's a whatever that God can trust me, like I want to be known as a woman that God could trust, that he could trust with his children, that he could trust with his heart, that he could trust with his mission, that he could trust with his border, that he can trust with a nation. I want my end game is that when all at the end of this, I hear well done, good and faithful servant that I was good and that I was faithful and that I was someone that God could trust that I would say yes and that I would never say no and and that he would trust me with it that I'd always use it for him and never for myself you know and so that's yeah, my end game. that's beautiful <laughs> so the conversation has been absolutely incredible um how can how can people who are listening to this or yeah. watching this um how can they get connected with you how, yeah. how, how can they give to you which uh, we encourage you guys to do that. How can they give to you? Or or also, like you said, though, greater than that is someone could be listening to this and they could be a doctor, they could yeah. be a nurse, they yes. could be a, a farmer or whatever. Yes. And they're like, I love this story. I got to get connected with them. How do they do that? Yes. Yeah. So so we do have social media now. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, so we, we're on Instagram, we're okay. on Facebook, we're on all of that. So we're Life Impact, I-N-T-L, short for international. Um, we have a great website, www www.lifeimpactintl.org so any of the social media platforms the website there's a get involved message us talk to us all right there we're in the UK we're in Australia now we're here in the US we uh, Brazil um, uh, Thailand and of course Burma but those other nations were all set up as foundations in the UK in Australia mm -hmm. in Thailand right. in Brazil in all those nations so if yep. any of those countries or in the good US of A in those areas, you can find us lifeimpactintl.org. Awesome. Mm -hmm. And your social medias are the same as that. It's all LifePack International. Life Impact yeah. INTL, yeah. yeah. Okay. Yes. yes no yes. separate Lana Vasquez. No, uh, no. So, okay. I don't even yeah, know. I know. I, I'm so old. I don't I even know. know how to work Instagram. I'm I know. Like so I just horrible. get all your updates from Facebook. <laughs> yes, That's where yes, I know what's going I know. on. <laughs> Thanks for logging on to Facebook yeah. just for me. I know you guys do <laughs> That's it. That's what I do it. Yeah. Just to make sure everything's kosher. <laughs> thank you. <laughs> well, thank you so much for being here today. Thank We've you. enjoyed yeah, it. Thank you. Yeah. Thank you for being our first guest yeah that that's an honor like yeah. i'm honored thank you yeah. so much for yeah. considering me absolutely thank you thank you so much for joining us during that interview incredible 
tons of tears that happened during that. We would love for you to be able to support Lana Vasquez and Life Impact International. So make sure you check out the show notes, check out her website to be able to partner with her. Like she said today, if you have some type of talent, some type of need that you can help fulfill, you can reach out to them directly on their website, or you could give financially at their website that's listed in the show notes. Thank you so much for joining us today. Uh, Make sure you subscribe, check out our website. You can go to beyond.faith to see where we are on all the platforms. Thanks. Thanks.